0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. All
1: right, thank you, Anderson. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Prime Time. What do you say? Let's get after it. All right, now, we now know the whistleblower didn't just worry about that Ukraine call, but all the people and all the effort that came over the course of months before that call in order to get Ukraine's help to investigate former VP Biden. The other shocker was what came after the call, this accusation that people around this president worked to cover up records of that call and others. Quote, White House officials told me that they were directed by White House lawyers to remove the electronic transcript from the computer system in which such transcripts are typically stored. Instead, the transcript was loaded into a separate electronic system. And this was not the first time under this administration that a presidential transcript was placed into this code word level system solely for the purpose of protecting politically sensitive rather than national security sensitive information. The president says it was a perfect call. Then why move mountains to conceal the record? And if it's all fine, why call the whistleblower basically a spy and suggest they should be killed? Yes, that's where we are. So let's talk to players on both sides About where we're going, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, chair of the House Finance Committee. It's good to see you.
2: Good to be here. Thank you. Delighted to be with you this evening. Very important moment. Yes.
1: After today. Yes. Where were you left in terms of uh, the strength of conviction you have about what you're dealing with?
2: Well, I have for a long time uh, paid a lot of attention to this president even before the inauguration of the president, watched him very closely uh, during his campaign. And I decided, based on everything uh, that he revealed about himself, Uh, that he was someone with a flawed character and that he was not deserving of the presidency. And he was going to be a problem. And so he has turned out to be everything that I suspected he would be. uh, And he has dishonored the office of the presidency. And so with all of this new revelation about his conversation with the president of Ukraine, it rings true.
1: Do you think you know enough at this point, Congresswoman, to say— There is enough here for articles of impeachment. Absolutely. Already?
2: The president himself admitted that he had a telephone conversation with the president of Ukraine. He also said he did talk to him about Biden. And I believe uh, that in that conversation, he did exactly what is being said about the conversation by others that he was asking this president to help him with the kind of investigation that would lead to dirt on Biden.
1: You would accept no other explanation.
2: No, there is no other explanation. What did he do? Just call him to say congratulations? I'm conducting foreign
1: powers. I'm trying to create a relationship. We're worried about corruption. We're worried about the integrity of our elections. And I'm making sure that the president of Ukraine knows that and does everything he can.
2: Absolutely not. That would not be consistent with the character of this president. This president has basically refused to condemn Putin. Knowing that Russia interfered with our election, undermined our democracy in the last presidential election, and really was setting up a way for Ukraine to undermine our elections by getting dirt on Biden so that he could be reelected.
1: I know people are listening. You think I'm dumb enough to say something like that, knowing everybody? No, but
2: I think he's brazen enough. I think he's gotten away with enough that he does not believe that we can do anything to stop him. He has discovered the awesome powers of the presidency. The Constitution of the United States never anticipated that a president would use his powers this way. And he has learned that he can get away with it. He's brazen.
1: How did you take uh, what I thought was one of the more surprising things we've heard from him, especially in the context and the timing of today? This is what he said in reaction to what was exposed in the hearing today
3: person who gave the whistleblower of the information because that's close to a spy. You know what we used to do in the old days where we were smart, right? The
2: spies and treason. We used to handle it a little differently than we
3: do now. He
1: seems to be suggesting a very dark fate, but do this you- This is
2: consistent with the way that the president has conducted himself. Don't forget, in some of his rallies, he encouraged, you know, beating up on folks who are out there opposing him. He's done this several times. He said that he could stand up in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and get away with it.
1: A lot of people in his party today, though, seem very concerned about leaks and that there was almost equal animus about them as to anything that the president did on the phone call. How do you feel about that?
2: Well, I don't see uh, the whistleblower as leaking. I see these people as being concerned about this country and about the security of this country. I think they saw and heard and experienced something that made them believe that the president of the United States was moving in a very dangerous way and that it was urgent and they had the responsibility to say something, to do something about it. And this whistleblower talked to a number of people, as I understand it, and they all were worried and concerned that the president had conducted himself in a way that was not in the best interests of this country. Do
1: you believe that you have to have hearings that develop all of the different aspects of what led to that conversation? Because the conversation in itself arguably is or is not enough to meet the standard of impeachment, which is a very gross abuse of power. You know the standard. I don't have to tell you. But who knew? Who helped in the State Department? Who told you people in Congress the different stories about why the well, money wasn't absolutely, being released? Giuliani's about, yes. role, the AG's role. Don't you have to know all that first?
2: Well, I think that's a part of the impeachment uh proceedings that will go on if you can recall when uh, in clinton there were hearings Mm -hmm. and that we had witnesses come in we had people talk about various aspects of the accusations that will be a part of what you
1: do you're saying you're ready to go now
2: Oh, well, I think we will be ready to go very shortly because, as you know, the way the speaker has talked about it, the six committees that have been doing the investigations will be come together. And the speaker has already said the latest revelations about the telephone conversation, the president with the president of uh, Ukraine, uh, has caused us uh, to be focused and understand that something has gone on here uh, that— Absolutely. Rises to the level of possible impeachment.
1: So two hurdles in making the case uh, to some of the Democrats that aren't on board and frankly, the American people. Most are one. All that other stuff that we've been hearing about for all these months, actually over a year, that was so important that maybe you had to impeach. That's all gone. Is the suggestion that it didn't really matter that much to begin with?
2: Well, it's not all gone. Uh, What we're saying is this will be the focus. It is so recent And I think people understand it a lot better now. And I think that all of the other things may be considered. And with this being the focus, there may be one or two other things. What we have not uh, decided is exactly what's going to go into the impeachment resolution. Hmm. But we do think that this will be uh, high on the agenda.
1: And then the key part will be once you know everything you know, the idea of why it reaches the standard yes. of impeachment. And obviously, we'll have to wait until you have everything in front of you That's right. that you feel confident to make that case. That's right, Congresswoman. Thank you so much. It's so an important night. Delighted and to be here. You are always have an open invitation on this show thank you. in these important times to explain to the American people what's going on. And what.
2: I appreciate that, and thank you for having me this evening.
1: Pleasure. Be well. All right, thank you. All right. Now ahead. Clearly, the Democrats have a tall task, and it's made all the tougher by the fact that the other side of the aisle could not be more opposed to their efforts. We saw that today. We have a Republican who questioned the president's acting DNI in that hearing this morning. You have to hear what the Democrats are up against. Next. No surprise. There was a House divided at the hearing today. Representative Chris Stewart, Republican from Utah, was in today's House hearing. He questioned the acting DNI. Now we have him here with us. Congressman, welcome to primetime. Good to be with you. It's good to be with you. And just at the outset, you know that you are always welcome on this show, not just to talk about this, but what matters to the American people. I want you as part of the conversation. I appreciate
3: that. And you've always said that. And I believe you're sincere. Thank you. Good. Especially now.
1: Uh, yeah. We need it. We need to have as many different voices showing the way to this country. So one of the things I thought was interesting today in your question of the acting DNI, um, you went out of your way to say, don't dishonor yeah. um, Mr. McGuire yeah. because of his record of service. Fair point. I also thought it was interesting that you didn't ask him anything about what happened in the phone call or the surrounding. You are not curious about any aspects of the phone call or the implications of it?
3: Well, for one, I've read, the, I've read the transcript, so I don't think he could cast any light on it. And the other is that he'd been asked by, I don't know, half a dozen other people already, and they had asked those questions. So there really wasn't anything new that I could have asked that hadn't been asked already or that I didn't feel like I already knew.
1: Are you bothered but, by but, the call or, or the surrounding circumstances? Well, as I want to back complaint? up if I could, ahead, Chris, just
3: because I think it's so important. And this is a man who served his country for 36 years. Mm-hmm. And in the last week or 10 days, he's been accused of breaking the law. He's been accused of being a political stooge for the president. He's been accused of protecting the president without any evidence at all. And I just think it was fair and, and important to give him a chance to respond to that.
1: It would have been nice it, for him to answer some of the procedural issues also. I get that he was in a tough spot. He was. Uh, the statute, uh, frankly, my, my fair reading uh, with a little uh, lawyer background is... It's designed for the intelligence community. Yeah, I get that. But the idea that when you are faced with it, you go to the White House and the AG when you know that they're both implicated in the complaint, it's going to raise questions.
3: Well, but he had no choice. And General Clapper, who is a former DNI, who is no friend to this president, as you know, was on just moments ago. And I had a chance to hear him. And he said exactly what I've been saying. He had no choice. Uh, Mr. McGuire and the IG were both caught in a very difficult circumstance. I've had a chance to spend hours with them now. I believe they're both sincere individuals trying to serve their country. The, the law seemed to be deficient, or as you said, it was mute on this, and they just didn't know what to do. Well, I
1: think it was designed for the intel community, but Clapper told me on the show he didn't think he had any latitude that, meaning that whenever he got a complaint, he had to deliver it over.
3: Well, he also said just previously that he had to go to the, uh, the Office of Legal Counsel for advice because there was this, this discrepancy. And, uh, and I think that's what you were alluding to about him going to life. So
1: that's the acting DNI we heard from him today. Maybe you hear from him again. You have to see where okay. the situation takes you. But the idea of what's in that complaint, that the phone call is not the sum total of the situation. It's just a window into a process that have, had been going on for over a year no. uh, that involved Mr. Giuliani, the president, and who knows, in the State Department, and the White House— dealing with you guys in congress about the funding what are you concerned about in any of that
3: well the essence of the complaint is only the phone call everything else is just public reporting things that we've known well, last week we talked to
1: lots of officials congressmen who said they had concerns about how the transcript was stored about what was being done with the ukraine relationship and for whose benefit
3: the essence of this report was about the phone call i mean anyone can read it now they can talk about well they had concerns about whether it was where what computer it was stored but you can't tell me that that's going to be the essence of an impeachment hearing. It has to be the essence of this phone call. That's 90-something percent of, I think, our concerns.
1: Well, and, when you say the phone call, uh, is the question for you, did the president of the United States solicit information about an opponent that could be helpful to him in his election from a foreign power?
3: He clearly asked the, the, the foreign opponent to, uh, or the foreign government, to do an investigation of what he thought was corruption. Now, I've got to tell you, to be honest— I don't think I would have said that. It makes me uncomfortable. But presidents do things that make me uncomfortable all the time. And you don't impeach them for it. When President Obama said to President, Russian President, President Medvedev, hey, give me after the election and I'll have more latitude. Or the thing we've been talking about more recently, when Vice President Obama went there and demanded that they fire this prosecutor and threatened to withhold aid because of that, or that. Yeah, I'm sorry, Vice President Biden. That made me uncomfortable. But I didn't call for impeachment on either one of them. But you have something
1: that is clearly in
3: contravention of a statute here. If you ask a foreign power for anything of value in your election, you break the law. No, that's just not true. Look, there's been all sorts of analysis on this, including legal counsel at the Department of Justice regarding this phone call. And they looked at it and said, we don't even think it's an FEC violation. I know, but they were looking at it with these the AG are, mentioned um, in, in the situation. Okay, so Shouldn't every, he have recused himself? So your presumption is every one of them is corrupt. I don't. No, think no, have, no, no, no. God forbid, if any, anything,
1: we were hearing way these, too much about those people being corrupt these, from people on your side of the aisle for the last year and a half. I don't believe that. These were, I'm saying the AG being mentioned maybe would have created a disposition of carefulness inside the DOJ in reviewing a matter that he's involved in. Therefore, they had a corrupt decision? No, I'm saying you create, just like with Biden, you create the appearance of impropriety by him not saying, i got to recuse myself from this. I mentioned it. But,
3: but, Chris, you stated definitively that he broke the law. This was a violation of law. And I'm telling you that No, no, many, not the AG. I'm
1: saying the president soliciting— Look, I mean, I had the statute up on the screen for people. Yeah. It's what the law says. It's not what
3: I say. Well, and I'm telling you that there are attorneys that, and very intelligent attorneys who specialize— in this area of law, right. who say that's absolutely not true. So you can ask a foreign power,
1: uh, let's say Stuart and Cuomo are running against each other. I can say I'm running against Stuart, yeah. Italy. Do yeah. you know anything about him, about when he was there? And they say, yeah, look at this. Uh, we have this whatever. Oh, thank you. And I use it in our election. You're okay with that?
3: What I'm saying is, well, there's two things that are very important. What I'm saying is that what the president did here, many attorneys who specialize in this area of law have said it is an invasion violation law. But the more important thing is, I've been asked this before. You're saying, well, then you would never, never do it. And I'd say it depends. And surely you would agree it would depend. And let me give you a, a very easy example. Let's say a very close ally, the United Kingdom, came to you. This is someone you trust. They're a friend. And they came to you with clear evidence saying uh, one of your opponents was involved with, say, the, the molestation or, or the sexual assault of a child. Are you telling me you wouldn't do something with that? I'd say go to the FBI. Well, that, oh, that's exactly right. But you would do something with it. No, no, no. You would. You would I would say, go to the FBI.
1: On. I can't have anything to do with this.
3: But you would. But you wouldn't just sit on it. You would do something with it. But that's because the some opposite people of what the president
1: did. I'm some- saying that you would make it go to the right authorities i wouldn't try to get it for my own advantage
3: but but that's what some people have suggested is that you couldn't do anything with and i just think that's nuts i've been criticized for saying of course you would do something they say when someone comes to you
1: look you know what we're talking about here if you go to a foreign entity and say help me you're not supposed yeah. to ask. I thought we all agreed on that after yeah. Mueller, that one thing that we all don't want is a foreign power messing with our elections or people going to a foreign power to help mess with the election.
3: Here's oh, I think we agree on that, actually. And, and maybe you misunderstood me because we actually do agree on that. I said it makes me uncomfortable. I said some of the things that other presidents have done have made me uncomfortable. The question is and I think this is a real central thing that we need to talk about here now. Is it, is, does it rise to a level of high crime and misdemeanor, and should that individual be impeached? I gave you examples of the thing that President Obama, Vice President Biden did. Do you think who,
1: either of those stack up to this? I
3: think they're very, very similar. Really? And some, of course. Of course. How Are is you,
1: what VP Biden did the same
3: he, this? Because he went there and said, you fire that prosecutor, and he threatened to withhold a billion dollars right. worth of aid. Right. And his son was associated with a company That was being investigated. Are you telling me that's not concerning? But let me make my other point, because I really think this is key. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what 217 Democrats think. It matters what the American people think. And when President Nixon, when when he was impeached, everyone knew that he violated... He went in, there was whistle, there was, he uh, broke into the it's a felony well, and then he covered it up mm-hmm. and there was obstruction of justice. When president Clinton was involved with a intern, someone mm-hmm. half his age and lied to the grand jury in both of those circumstances, the American people looked at that and they just intuitively know that's wrong. So
1: you think that and you I, only do what the American people say you should do.
3: I'm saying if you're going to impeach, the American people have to support it. Really? Of course. What if they don't understand the circumstances the way that you do? Then you aren't have you to, con- to, you have to convince conscience? them. You have to convince the American
1: But people. then why haven't you guys done gun reform when 90 percent of the people want it? Well, th- that's
3: completely different. No, it isn't. Yeah. It's the
1: same principle. If you want to talk gun reform, I'm not No, but what I'm saying is that. I know the president does, too, now all of a sudden. There,
3: I, but, I, I'm saying if you are going to impeach a president, you have to convince American people that is the right thing. So if 50
1: percent of the American people say they want it, then you're OK with it?
3: Uh, I think it, you have to convince, I don't, I don't want to say it's based on polling, but if we but don't how would you do know? that, if we don't do that, then the next president's going to be impeached and the president after that, because there is no perfect presidency. And if you don't have a high threshold for impeachment where the majority, and I would say the vast majority of Americans support that, there will never be a president who serves his time in office again.
1: And you don't see any
3: and difference between this,
1: this president, what he did, what VP Biden did And what President Obama did? You see them all as equal.
3: I actually think uh, Vice President Biden's is much worse. Really? Yes. Him acting under color of authority of the United States government. How could it not be worse?
1: With the EU, the Ukraine parliament voting, and other Western democracies and NGOs all asking for the ouster of the same prosecutor, he acts openly as the VP, holding back money, trying to get rid of the prosecutor. The president said he bragged about getting rid of a prosecution. That's not true. He got rid of a prosecutor. The guy started an investigation before his son worked there. After that prosecutor left, the next prosecutor looked at it even more and cleared the guy. And you think that's the same as calling the Ukraine president and saying, investigate my opponent?
3: Yeah. I actually again, I actually think it's worse. Really? Yes, of course. And I don't know how you could argue with that wow. he is the vice president. We are of the United equally States. Shocked, Congressman. He is the vice president of the United States who went there and demanded that they fire prosecutor who is investigating the company his son was being paid by and threatened to withhold aid from that company or that country if he did not. You're okay with that. You yourself said it was a quid pro quo. Well,
1: absolutely there's a quid pro quo because he said, if you don't get rid of this prosecutor,
3: the United States isn't giving you the money.
1: You're forgetting the main element, personal gain. You have to show that there his was personal son, you gain. You don't
3: think his son's well-being a financial well-being was his they personal gain? They opened
1: the investigation before the son got there. He was investigated more
3: after the prosecutor left and clear. You don't think that his son's financial well-being was for his personal gain? Because I think it clearly was. But I know,
1: but what I'm saying, I know what you think. What I'm saying is, how was it in Biden's interest to do that the way it was in this president's interest to do that? I guess, look, I guess that's the question you guys are going to have well, to pursue going forward.
3: Well, look, forward. the American people can look at that. I think most Americans will go, I can see how it's in his personal interest to protect his son's financial. Debt. But you don't see this as being in this president's personal interest? No, I said I see them, uh, I see them very, uh, very clearly in parallel. But you asked me which I thought was worse. I, said, I don't know. You tell me. But you can't say this one's OK, And this one's bad. They're very, very similar.
1: I think you can make the argument that it is. But that's the course going forward. And you are always welcome here as we go along the process to make your case to the people. I want them to hear it. Thank you, Congressman. I appreciate it. All right. The attorney general, as we were just discussing, is named in the whistleblower report. He was named on the phone call. What does that mean? Does he have any exposure here? Was there any responsibility put on him because of that? So we're going to look into with a couple of people with investigative backgrounds that go deep into the functioning of the DOJ. What is the exposure? What are the questions next? All right. We have three quick questions that came up in important ways this morning and two experts in investigation handle them jim baker and andrew McCabe, welcome back gentlemen andrew let me start with you uh what the president said about you know guys like this the guys who talk to this whistleblower maybe even the whistleblower yeah basically spies you know what we used to do with them your take
4: yeah, horrendous, uh, horrendous, Chris. This is, uh, first of all, it's the president doing exactly what the whistleblower protection statute say you can't do, which is attempting to retaliate against somebody for filing a complaint um, using proper channels. And I will also tell you that having experienced a very similar baseless charge from the president, it is absolutely chilling. Um, Even though it's President Trump and he frequently says things that are baseless and absolutely wrong, to hear the President of the United States call you treasonous and call for your execution is absolutely terrifying. So that is a message that I'm sure all those U.S. government employees in his presence this morning received loud and clear. Jim, give me a thumbnail sketch
1: of the operative and legal distinction between what we're dealing with with the president on this call with the president of Ukraine and that solicitation and what VP Biden did uh, with Ukraine in his capacity as vice president.
5: Well, they're completely different. And I think one of the things that concerns me the most is people keep talking about these criminal statutes and whether they apply to the president and who violated what and so on. I think you need to forget that. What you need to focus on is the Constitution and whether the president violated his oath of office and abused his power. And to me, the thing that is the most alarming about the phone call and what I think is really at the foundation of what people should be concerned about is that the phone call evidences an effort by the president to use the power of his office to keep himself in power. That's really what this is about. And I with all due respect to the congressman from a few minutes ago. I disagree because th- these other cases that he was trying to bring up don't, are, are not about somebody trying to use their power to stay in power. That's really what this is about, and that's about the Constitution and not about a criminal statute per se.
1: And the idea that you can solicit a foreign power for information that is beneficial to you in an election under some circumstances, what
5: circumstances? None. No, you can't. You should not be able to. Yeah, none. Exactly. No, he says that there
1: are legal experts that say sometimes it's OK. Do you know of any case where it's OK?
5: Well, you know, in the Mueller report, they got, they got concerned about whether some of the activities qualified under the particulars of the statute because they had a hard time putting a value on opposition research. And that's why I'm saying, like, with respect to the president, forget all the other people, forget the statutes. It's the, it's the question is whether he violated his uh, duties and responsibilities under the Constitution.
1: It just lets you know what you're dealing with here in terms of partisanship about how far people will go uh, on one side to justify being against this analysis. But at the same time, that side feels that the left is going way too far in making this happen. The idea of the storage of the information, Andrew, um, that this would have been put into a different Um, password protected directory, Uh, the congressman referred to it as another computer. It's not another computer. It's an entirely different system. What is the concern and what is the occasion where you've heard of this being done before?
4: Well, I've never heard of it being done in this sort of circumstance. The system that's been referred to is one that's created specifically for our absolutely most sensitive secrets, code word protected information, things of that nature. And therefore, it is designed to hold information to the smallest possible audience. The smallest possible group of highly vetted people are the only folks that can see what's in there. So, the effort to put the transcripts of these calls or evidence of these communications into that system is clearly an effort to limit the availability of the the opportunity for folks to see what took place on this call. The call itself does not call for that sort of treatment. It is not classified at the level. It's certainly not compartmented information that would uh, require it being put in that system.
1: Jim, uh, what do you believe are the big boxes that need to be checked going forward for this to rise to the level of something that might be impeachable?
5: I am not sure that we're not there already. I mean, I think that transcript is, is quite alarming. It's not actually a literal transcript, right, but it's, it's the, the, the substance of the call. That's alarming enough. I mean, if that kind of activity is acceptable, then I don't really know where we are as a country. Of course, the, the Congress has to conduct some amount of uh, logical uh, investigation, figure out maybe who else might be willing to come forward. Whether there are other data, whether there's data and facts and circumstances that might corroborate that, but they're going to be investigating the president directly and trying to get information from the White House. That's going to be pretty tough. So I'm not really sure where they're going to go. I think the question is whether, on its face, this transcript is a, an impeach, constitutes an impeachable offense or not. And they can try to do other investigation, but I don't really know where they're going to go with it.
1: Uh, Andrew, chance out of 10 uh, that uh, Mr. Giuliani winds up being right and then he comes out a hero because of what we discover about the Bidens or about the interference that happened in Ukraine.
4: Minus 10. I don't think there's I don't think there's any chance of that happening. I think um, I think Rudy's done an incredible job of once again casting up a conspiracy theory that's attracted a lot of attention. It served his purposes of creating a counter narrative to distract folks away from what is some very serious allegations about the president and Mr. Giuliani's conduct. Um, but that doesn't make any of those conspiracy theories true. Uh, there's still yet to be a single piece of evidence that anybody's uncovered that indicates that Vice President Biden or his son were found to have done anything wrong. In fact, the Ukrainians have said repeatedly that they didn't find anything there. So, yeah, I, I really don't see that there's much uh, mm-hmm much at the end of that road.
1: Still an open question. There's no question that he got Biden into the conversation, but it also seems That's that right. everything picked up a lot of momentum against the president and him after his outbursts and his making of that case. Jim, thank you very much. Andrew, as always, appreciate it, fellas. Thanks. Democrats are hovering at the threshold number of votes for articles of impeachment already. But What about the holdouts? We have one. Congressman Connor Lamb from Pennsylvania. What did he think of today? What does he need to do? What does he need to see to get anywhere near impeachment? Find out next. The numbers, the numbers are a big part of this story. Just over the past three days, more than 75 Democratic House members have thrown their support behind an impeachment investigation. The Democrats now have more than 200 behind the probe. Now, we don't know how they might actually vote at the end of all this, but there's still about 16 House Democrats who have not been persuaded. One of them is Congressman Connor Lamb of Pennsylvania. Good to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. How'd you feel about today?
6: Uh, I thought today was a historic day and a historic week. The facts have clearly changed. Um, but one thing that I, that I felt about today is it kind of shows the important thing about the American system. Uh, and it shows that that system is working. I mean, a, a person came forward following the procedures laid out in the law. They were protected, and it is allowing us to finally start to get to some of the facts that people have been wondering for a while. Uh, And that wouldn't have happened in a lot of places around the world. Certainly wouldn't have happened in Russia. And I think we can be, we can take some pride in that today. President
1: says, this guy, the people who talked to him, bunch of spies, and we used to take care of them in a very different way. What does that mean to you? It's just not accurate.
6: I mean, this person literally followed the letter of the law from beginning to end, the complaint is one of the more carefully drafted documents I've seen in my time in Washington. Uh, and, and in fact, we've all thought that it was wrong when people do things the other way. You know, the Snowdens and the Mannings who, who just leaked out into the public when they wanted to. This person really took care to do it the right way. And the IG and the DNI sort of recognize that. And so that's why I do think it shows that the system can work right. What do you need to see in
1: order to believe that any of this is worthy for articles of impeachment?
6: Well, I think there are a lot of questions raised by this whistleblower complaint. I mean, you've talked about some of them on your show, but, you know, the the whistleblower talks about speaking to other people in the White House, about this separate server, um, about Giuliani and his role in all this and how it could have affected our policy in Ukraine. Uh, And I think I and the American people want answers to all those questions. But this is clearly we're in a different place today than we were last week because of these allegations. And I think that's going to ramp up the urgency behind this investigation a lot. And I support that. What does it mean to people in the country that the Democrats
1: are saying, we just want to focus on this in Ukraine, forget about all the other stuff? Might that make people feel like so all that other stuff you were saying was so important, now it isn't anymore? Only this matters?
6: Why? I'm not sure, but I think the important thing about this week is that we have become very focused as a group on making sure this is uh, first and foremost in the investigation and that, that we stay locked in on that and we follow the facts wherever they lead, not in a partisan way in a way that is just about uncovering evidence and taking this thing step by step. And that's what many of us try to do this week. You know, I I waited until uh, the last couple of days to speak more publicly about it because I wanted to see the actual evidence first. So
1: where are you now? Are you in favor of
6: what you guys are calling an impeachment inquiry? You believe it's warranted? I absolutely support Chairman Schiff's investigation and everything that he's doing. Um, The speaker put the impeachment inquiry label on that on Monday, so that's what it is. Uh, I never thought that was the most important question. What people ask me about when I go home are the facts. What happened and why? Especially given the situation in Ukraine, right? I mean, that is an urgent national security threat. We are there because any Russian invasion in Eastern Europe is bad for our allies and bad for us. And I think people are wondering now, I mean, how many parents in my district send their children to serve in the military, thinking that the commander-in-chief will always look out for them and Mm -hmm. no one else? And that's in question after a complaint like this and so so congressman lamb is one of
1: the number now who is invested in an impeachment inquiry but you don't know how you're going to vote yet
6: I don't know that anyone knows how they're going to vote yet because we're in the very early stages. I
1: hear Democrats say, <laughs> Chairman Waters just said, she's ready to go sure. tonight. Well, but you're not. But
6: you are now among those. You're not a holdout from impeachment inquiry at all. Right. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is those two categories have really been driven by the media. And it's been a very Washington question this week. Whereas I think on the ground, those of us who are experiencing this moment by moment, We're just trying to find out the facts. We didn't really care whether it was called an impeachment inquiry or a regular inquiry. I mean, Chairman Schiff has been investigating this for years at this point, and and it didn't look a whole lot different last week than this week. What changed is that a courageous American stepped forward willing to tell the truth as they experienced it. And now it's on us to corroborate that, to investigate it, to find out what's behind it. You think you'll Um, be able to get to the bottom of it, or you think the White House is just going to hold you up like it's done to this point? Well... The whistleblower broke through. Right. We got the complaint and the White House released the transcript. The American people, I think, are invested in this now uh, and we owe it to them to get to the bottom of it. So we're not going to give up. Congressman Lamb,
1: thank you very much. Appreciate the candor. Good luck going forward. You're always welcome here to make the case to the American people. Thank you. All right. Be well. All right. So, look, we've been here before. uh, And today did seem in some ways like a foul blast from the past, an argument about where we are. But more importantly. How we must proceed. Next, where you think? Saw the hearing? I know. Deja vu, right and left in opposite worlds, both in high dudgeon. The sneaking suspicion that if you flip the roles of the Republicans and Democrats, you'd hear the exact same arguments. Just rewind 20
0: years. You don't even have to be convicted of a crime to lose your job in this constitutional republic because impeachment. Is not about punishment. Impeachment is about cleansing the office. Impeachment is about restoring honor and integrity to the office.
1: Where have you gone, Lindsey Graham? Now shooting no quid pro quo, nothing here if there's no crime. And he's not the only one giving us whiplash. The argument works both ways. Here's House Judiciary Chair Jerry Nadler
5: back then. Impeachment of a president is an undoing of a national election. They are ripping asunder our votes. They are telling us that our votes don't count. So
1: I feel your frustration, but there is an argument to discontinue the connivances of political convenience. The country came out of a confusing period recently with one point of clarity. Foreign powers messing with our elections is bad And no one should allow that or partake in it. While Congress will debate the uh, the degree and consequence, there is no denying that this president did exactly what we all swore off. He contacted a foreign power and asked for help that would give him an advantage in an election, period. He's offered no excuse or explanation. His defense is that Biden is worse and the whistleblower and the people who express their concerns around him are spies that we would have had meet a dark fate back in the days when America was great. The problem is what this president and his followers accused Biden of without proof is actually present in what this president did. And we have proof. You can't use words like cover up and abuse of power without making a very strong case of the same. Remember that this phone call is not enough. It's a window into a wild episode, but one that was months in the making, and that will take time to show. Democrats have to overcome the political problem also that they've been saying they had enough to impeach before all this, and now they don't want to talk about any of that anymore. The focus is narrow just on Ukraine. What about the other stuff? Doesn't matter anymore. This can't just be about how the president behaves either. It can't be just about not liking what he's about. It has to be about overwhelming proof that he abused his office and enlisted the help of so many in such ways that he should forfeit what the people gave him. Bars high. Only two things matter. First, answers to questions like these. Who are the people the whistleblower spoke to? Who dealt with Ukraine and gave the impression that dealing with Biden was a precondition to dealing with Trump? Who hid the transcripts? Why? Who at the State Department worked with Rudy? Why? Why? Who in the White House gave different and inaccurate explanations for withholding funds that Congress approved for Ukraine? Why? Also, those answers to those questions, why do they matter and how much? Is it wrong or illegal? What is such a grave abuse that it all combines to meet the standard the framers gave us? It is only enough if what we can know by what Congress can show, facts, facts and facts alone, They must force impeachment. Yes, force, because if it's not that compelling, then it is for an election. If it is not unavoidable, it must be avoided. If we can't recognize at the end of this that the outcome gives us the best obtainable version of the truth, then we lose. Worse, we'll be dangerously close to the dystopian reality that Orwell thought was wild fiction in 1949 where all that matters is the duplicity of doublespeak and the mindlessness of groupthink. Truth imaginary as a unicorn. Another caution of the proximity of fact and fiction these days. You know, Orwell, in that book, 1984, he said that the final work of Big Brother wouldn't be finished until the first couple of decades of the 21st century, like right where we are now. We're already too close to what was supposed to be parody. Take us forward on fact. Make arguments that are too strong to avoid. And remember that we will all be remembered for the choices we make now. Again, I ask, how do you want to be remembered? Now, looking forward, there are some signs of hope. Bolo, be on the lookout. There are some cracks in what we see as the contagion of partisanship. I'll show you next. That's an acronym for be on the lookout. While this Ukraine drama unfolds, the Trump administration is still intent on raiding military coffers to fund the president's border wall. Three point six billion dollars, in fact, from hundreds of projects across the country in a rare step, though, away from POTUS. In fact, Republicans in the Senate voted for a second time yesterday to end Trump's national emergency declaration. Fifty four forty one. 11 GOPers crossing the aisle. Of course, Trump is expected to shoot it down. It's not a veto proof majority, but it is a sign. Maybe the GOP is not fully in lockstep with Trump. On the Ukraine call and whistleblower report, some Republican senators are uncharacteristically speaking up. Romney calling it deeply troubling, Ben Sass, very troubling, Toomey, inappropriate. Portman and Heard also voicing their dissent. Those are House members. But if after the investigation, the findings prove so damning that you can argue they demand impeachment and a removal trial and vote in the Senate, it's a big if. The question is, what will Republicans do? And for us, that's something to be on the lookout for. All right. That's all for us tonight. Thank you very much for watching. There's a lot of
0: news. CNN tonight with D. Lemon.